Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, trust you well. Um, been wrestling through what to say to you today with uh, with so many different ideas and thoughts in my head and um, finally come down to what I think I want to give to you just uh, to help you through the week. Um, it's, uh, it's not that wonderful uh, talking to myself in a screen here. Um, in in one of our rooms at home as opposed to seeing you all face to face. So I'm hoping that our Prime Minister Boris will make some changes to that uh, today and give us at least some sense of the opportunity to to gather together again or um, at least to know when we will be able to. I know the worry in a lot of uh, church leaders and pastors' minds is that after this big break some of you won't want to come back. Uh, I hope I hope you prove me wrong and I hope that's not the case uh, because we would like to pick up on things uh, when we have the opportunity to do so. Um, so I wanted to talk to you um, today just for a little bit about something called resignation paralysis. Um, it's kind of a good thing when we are willing to comply with what we have been told or a request that has been put our way. Um, but also it's, it, it is um, practically and socially and historically uh, grounds in which a problem can be created where, where people in this situation can resign themselves to what has been asked or imposed. And uh, then we tend to do that without engaging in the process of critical questioning in our own minds or engaging with those who will help us to critically question what we are going through, what it all means and what should be our our response. Now, this is in no way uh, subversive to whether we should um, uh, be obedient to, to governments and authorities and what have you. And, uh, you know, that that is a is a subject matter for a conversation uh, in another direction. Um, But what it does mean that if we lose that ability to critically question or we are opposed to critical question, we get this thing called resignation paralysis. Now, of course, paralysis is when you have become incapable of moving in the way you need to move or operating, but you then are subject only to movement by how others move you in the position and shape that they wish you to move into. So I want to help you a little bit today um, uh, about how we deal with the issue of, um, of, of the pressure, not just in the current situation, but in the process of life to develop resignation paralysis. Oh, life's like this. It will always be like this. It'll never be any different. What's the point of even trying? You know, all that stuff that comes on 
There's a great verse that helps us wrestle with this in um, the Old Testament of the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I prefer it in the message version. Uh, it's in chapter 1 and verse 15, and here's how it's written down there. Life's a corkscrew that can't be straightened. There's a word of wisdom for you. If you can get this today, it's going to help you to fight against the tendency to drift into resignation paralysis. Life's a corkscrew that can't be straightened. But I would also propose that if life's a corkscrew um, that can't be straightened, then it's also the tool you need to open a bottle of wine. I'm suggesting that two different life experiences are possible from the same source. Um, I have to be honest that I have devoted way too much time, effort and headspace in my life trying to straighten out the corkscrew. Uh, not only is it emotionally draining, but it is a pointless exercise and a waste of energy that could be devoted to more productive endeavours. Um, so, spoiler alert. There is no such thing as straightforward in life, okay? Now, the corkscrew example gives us another image that might help us to get a deeper understanding of this. Uh, and it's the image of the helix, because a corkscrew is developed in the shape of a helix. Uh, if you're still not clear on what a helix is, think of a corkscrew, the shape. Think of a spring, okay? A spring on your car or whatever. How a spring is a spiral of circles that, that go in a downward or an upward movement, okay? That's a helix. Okay, you can either go down a helix or up a helix. If, if you're into electronics and you're familiar with an oscilloscope, an oscilloscope that measures the electrical movement, um, uh, you see it in 2D on the screen doing these loops, but if you could see it in 3D, it's actually, it's actually occurring again as a helix. And medicine and biology, of course, we, um, you know, DNA is, is a helix, which is also fascinating that if life is like a corkscrew, well, uh, DNA, which makes up the basis of our life and what we are, is also a helix. But uh, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it in Kid Think Arena um, and look at it as a helter-skelter. Okay, I hope you know what a helter-skelter is. If you haven't, you need to get out a bit more. And uh, if you haven't, I need to have a word with your parents. Of course, a helter-skelter, we would most of us will have experienced at a fairground or um, or maybe in the town, you know, when they have these these uh, deals that they bring in with the fan. Of course, the helter-skelter is the kids' ride where you climb the steps to the top and then and then you get on the mat and you get on the helter-skelter and of course you slide round the circles, getting bigger and bigger till you come out the bottom and um, hopefully don't do yourself a mischief, which is. Uh, why it's good for kids but not good for granddads. Um, okay, so if you haven't learned that lesson yet, you best do before it's too late. Uh, and in current in current uh, language, keep pressure off the NHS. Um, but if you think about the helter skelter, one does not naturally go up an helter skelter. Okay, it's just not natural. That's just not what happens. The, the natural process is to come down, not to go up. <coughs> now. The Apostle Paul, writing to, to the Roman church, 
in, in chapter 8 and verse 2 in the New Testament, he, he says something very interesting because he says, for the law of the spirit of life. Now, I would define that as a different consciousness, okay? The law of the spirit of life, a different consciousness, that's what the spirit of life is. It's a different consciousness within this corkscrew experience, for the law of the spirit of life, this different consciousness in Christ Jesus. Now, now I believe that the mystery of the Christ, of which Jesus in the flesh and all that he did is part of that revelation of, of the Christ revelation, the Christ spirit, the Christ being. Uh, I think that's the best place for me, as far as I'm concerned, to engage with a clear understanding of what this different consciousness is, this, this, this spirit of life. Okay, so Paul says, the law of the spirit of life, this different consciousness in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, the law of sin and death, really what he's talking about there is the law of entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, about everything, everything decreases and goes back into a form of death or, you know, they use chaos, but we, I, I wouldn't use that word just at the moment. Let's just talk about this issue of everything degenerating back to death. Uh, or in other words, going on the downward spiral, right? Entropy doesn't take you to life. Entropy takes you away from life. Uh, and of course, um, you know, if, if we tie that with another law that, that I think Paul is hinting at here... Uh, that would be gravity. So when you get onto the um, helter-skelter, uh, the law of gravity um, makes you come down the helix and it will not permit you to go up the helix. So what Paul's doing here, he is, he is contrasting <clears throat> two, two laws at work um, in the process of life, one that we need to generate, one that that just seems to happen very naturally. So, so what Paul defines here as as the law of sin and death, he is illustrating to exerts a downward pressure. Okay. So, so just like gravity or entropy says, this law of sin and death, this this thing at work, it, what it does is what it does, how it manifests. It exerts a downward pressure um, <clears throat> on your life. Now, now uh, we're all familiar with the phrase of what what happens when you don't feel top of your game or with it in life. You say, oh, I just feel really down. Why do we do that? Because this thing is ingrained in us. The, the law of sin and death, this, this entropy, this gravity, this process in the corkscrew, right? We're either going to go down the corkscrew or we're going to go up the corkscrew. And I want to help you to learn how to go up. But what Paul defines as the law of sin and death is the thing that exerts the downward pressure. And it does it through a heightened sensitivity of wrong things. So he, here's why we begin under that law of sin and death to, to go down the helix, to, to go the way of death and entropy rather than, than the way of life and joy. Um, it's because what gets heightened in us, what we become heightened in our sensitivities to, our fear. 
and fateful thinking and despair and failure and guilt and shame and condemnation and separation and unworthiness and judgments. These are all the things that, that we become heightened in our sensitivity towards and why we feel down, why we go down, why we descend on the helix rather than up the helix. And then what we whinge about is we try to straighten out life, which is what I'm trying to get through to you. You cannot do. And what we tend to develop in that process is resignation paralysis. This is the way it is. This is the way it's always going to be. Uh, and what comes out of that, strangely enough, to justify ourselves is something that I call sacred prejudices. We then try and justify all the prejudices that we have that's come from the fears and the despair and all that stuff. And of course, um, all it's ever doing is it, it is it is taking us down the helix. Um, now, in contrast to that is what Paul calls the law of the spirit of life. Um, this, 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 this whole sense of a different consciousness, the law of the spirit of life, a different consciousness that produces lift. That's an upward thrust as opposed to a downward pressure. Okay, so so one creates in us a downward pressure with all of those manifest feelings. The other one creates an upward thrust, which begins to take us up the helix of life. Uh, rather than than down it, um, and um, this this upward thrust becomes manifestly active and observable through the presence of just three things, and Paul describes them when he writes to the Corinthian church in, uh, and it's in chapter thirteen of his of his first letter to the Corinthian church in the New Testament, uh, and these are the three observable. The presence of which is observable uh, and manifestly active when we have the upward thrust of the different consciousness, the law of the spirit. These are the three things. Love, hope and faith are what begin to dominate our thinking, our, our worldview, uh, our self-view, uh, our perception of others and everything so our old perception of the corkscrew changes. Now we're not trying to straighten out the corkscrew. We have an upward thrust that accepts that life is what it is, but nevertheless is, is taking us in a direction that you might say is heavenward or, or to a higher place, a higher plane, a higher consciousness, a higher sense of presence, nearer to God, whatever terminology that you uh, wish to use, and to a more joyful and life-filled existence. Uh, so these are the three things that, that uh, are manifestly active and observable through the presence of the upward thrust, love, hope and faith. And where these are present and active, they will cause you to see things with a different eye. So they'll cause you to see with a different eye, to know from a deeper knowing, to hear from a different frequency and to feel from a deeper being, 
right? Those are the four things that will start to happen when love, hope and faith are manifestly active and present. You'll see with a different eye, you'll know from a deeper knowing, you'll hear from a different frequency and you feel from a deeper being. Now, I, I believe that this is a picture of the Christ mystery uh, and what the Christ is all about and what the Christ being in us uh, does and releases and activates and enacts for us. So if we were to look at those, I've defined these before, but let me let me just give you another definition for those three things which should be which will be active and um, and present and observable and visible in the upward lift. Faith is full acceptance that you are fully accepted. And the gripping inner conviction that all is well and all will be well. Hope is the great immunizer to faithful thinking and the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken and there may well be a word after that. Love, which is the hardest to give a definition for, just try googling definition of love and you'll see what I mean and people will say well the bible definition for love is is a person and I get that and I agree God is love and we see the manifestation of that love in Jesus and no greater act of love than him laying down his life and and I get that and I understand that but if we were to take love and put it into some words maybe that we can grasp and um, appreciate and work with um I would say that love, which is the greatest of the three, Paul says, faith, open love, the greatest is love. Love, which is the greatest, is unconditional affection received and given with no limits or conditions where worth is not determined by your works. Shall I say that again? Love is unconditional affection received and given with no limits or condition where worth is not determined by your works. This is what is of love's kind. This is it. This is the thing. And love is received, right? Can't do anything else about love. Love cannot be manufactured. Uh, it, 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 It is received or rejected. Love is received. Love is received. That's the simple act with love. You simply receive it. Love is received. Hope is generated. Faith is grown. Now, if we're going to take Paul's model, then I would propose to you that if the greatest of, of them is love, then, then, then when, you, when you receive love and know that you are received in love, which you are, which is a fact, and you accept that reception in love, when, when love is received then that is where hope is produced. Hope is produced out of love. And faith works with the material of hope. So love produces hope and hope produces faith. So if according to Ecclesiastes, life's a corkscrew that cannot be straightened, are you going to make it the tool to open the wine or the torture weapon to expose and punish your indiscretions and failures. So here's to faith, and here's to hope, and here's to love, and here's to Christ, and here's to wine. I'll catch up with you again later in the week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. 
If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.